Welcome everyone to another episode of Clear Minds Order Lives. I am here with my friend Natasha. I can't say your name right, like your last name right, so I'm gonna let you do the introductions on that. But this specific episode is gonna be about white allyship and why, as someone who has a lot of friends within the white community, I think there are white friends who I see who are trying to fight for us and the community and learn more about who we are and our history. And Natasha was one of those people. And we used to work together. And I remember one of the very first conversations was our shared interest in change, not only in the mental health field, but also in the world as far as like Black Lives Matter goes and just individual change as well as far as like evolving and growing. So Natasha, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then we'll go from there. (laughs) Thanks for having me, first of all, Ruthie. I feel like it's really amazing that you would invite me into this space that is so, you know, important to you and to your community and so I'm really honored to be a part of this journey with you. My name is Natasha Vander Whitey and we'll kind of get into later why my name's hard to pronounce because there's some history with my name Um, and I work in the mental health field and I have for the last uh, 12 or so years Um, and I am a therapist and yeah so Ruthie and I kind of met in this journey of growing personally but Mm. also this passion for seeing other people continue to grow especially in a capacity um with serving yeah Um, so yeah that's kind of a little bit about me and how we met it's been a long time coming yeah and thank you for being here because i know how much you are a huge supporter of the community not just like the black community poc um the african immigrant community because you know i was born in kenya so i guess we can start talking about how has this year been for you with everything from George Floyd to COVID-19. Oh, this year has been an amazing year of growth in spite of all the chaos that's kind of been going on in the world. So I actually stepped into COVID coming home from a trip to Europe. Um, Oh yeah, I I remember you were in Belgium. I texted you, didn't I? I was like, are you safe? Because you were in Belgium. Okay, now I remember. Yeah, so the day President, um, I don't want to speak his name, the day that they canceled the flights, (laughs) Um, was the day I was flying home. So I was terrified checking flights, thinking, am I going to be able to make it home? Um, and, and I did, but I came home to this world that was turned upside down. I mean, I was flying on planes with people with masks and gloves on, and I had no idea what was happening. It was just, it's really scary and jarring. And that's kind of how I entered into the COVID experience. You know, I had heard of it back in, you know, November, December, January, when they were talking about the virus and everything, but it felt so far removed from our Our world. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all thought it was like the Asian continent that was going through it, more specifically China, because remember, I got sick when I was in London. London and my friends till this day think I had COVID I'm because sure, yeah. I had all the symptoms. The doctors were just like, take some antibiotics, you'll be fine. But here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah. And we just had to learn how to cope with these changes. Mm. And I mean, when I say a growth season, I don't necessarily specifically feel like I'm leaps and bounds, like making changes, but mm. I'm learning so much about myself, about, you know, how I grieve because we're grieving losses every day around us of community, of shared space spaces of just normalcy you know and so I've kind of been going through that but also learning about like how I communicate with others like I think when they're in the midst of all this stress and anxiety it's so easy to get wrapped up in like ourselves that Mm. like I know I've forgotten to like treat people with kindness and to treat myself with kindness yeah so I've just really been having to take a step back and really engage some some really true self-care practices you know like getting back to meditating and yoga Mm. and I like to do the float tanks I know (laughs) oh my god if you guys have not done something called floating do Mm. it it'll change your life I kind of got mad because like my hair was all over the place so I think I'd go floating when my hair is like almost in ruins and getting ready to get back again because the water does but it's amazing it's like the most meditational Mm. sense of state you're bodies in because also your body's being relaxed by the water and you get to think so yeah that's a really good type of self-care thank you for bringing that up what about black lives matter so that has been a really interesting intersection so i've always been involved with the movement since well i won't say since mike brown because i didn't live here during mike brown i moved to st louis right after yeah um but since then you know just kind of being involved with a group um locally Mm. and doing protesting and things and being part of the local movement um 
that has been a huge part of my COVID experience because I feel like there is this important role in activism to engage your body. Sorry. It's okay. So there's there's this important role in activism to engage your body and parts of the movement that are important to you. And so, you know, with all of these, I want to say it's like not, I mean, it happens all the time, all these police shootings. It's Mm. like, I don't want to minimize the lives lost. It's so important. But I just feel like it's a new way for people, you know, to kind of move forward in the movement. You know, I think it became stagnant for a little while and, you know, we weren't seeing as many, you know, advocacy rallies and things like that. But yeah, I think with COVID, it's just been really powerful for me to like hit the pavement, you know, get out there with my protest family, get out there with my people and just let our city know that we need change now. Yeah. And that justice for all has to start now and it has to truly be for all. Yeah. Um, and I can yeah. say for sure, you you speak out. We have had conversations where I think you've also like taught me, you're like, no, that's not okay as a black person because we normalize this things that happen in society. Mm-hmm. And you coming to me as a white individual and you're like, no, you, you have the right to speak out and things like that. I think right now, for most of my white friends, is expecting you to learn, unlearn, and educate yourself. Because the thing is, when I went out for a protest in St. Louis, first couple of weeks, that this was going on i really was i felt like people were there especially young people some of them i could tell they were so passionate but others it was like for clickbait on their Mm. instagrams or just to show they're with us and i think Mm. that's what hurts me the most sometimes because you claim you're for me but your actions don't actually spell that out and it's been hard natasha because i don't think i told you that i had a lot of like untrusting build up Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've seen my facebook statuses yeah because it's like how how can I trust this whole race that has dominated and told us we were nothing? And mentally, it's gotten me to a very, like, mental drainage, like, yeah. whereby I don't watch the news now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that at some point you have to turn those things off and filter for yourself. And I really appreciate you sharing that with me because that's not really been my experience. Um, but I value and appreciate that that is your experience because when I see you post those things about, you know, white people, I'm not hurt by it because I know it's true. Yeah. And that tells me that I've done some work that maybe some other people haven't done. Yeah. Because I can read that and not internalize it and personalize it. But mm. I can read that and see what about this statement is like pricking something up for me? What right. do I need to do like if she feels this way about white people how am I contributing to that you know she's not talking about me and a specific experience we've had but she's talking about a lived experience she has had and I Mm. need to trust that I need to believe that and I need to honor that Mm. and I think that's something that's so important with white allyship is to not take everything so personally but to separate yourself and hear what people are saying Mm. and trust their lived experiences that is so powerful trust believe honor it yes so honor my experience and what i'm feeling yes and part of what allyship is not to internalize and personalize right well said right and if i am internalizing personalizing that taking that to my private spaces and Mm. saying like what is it about this statement or this word Mm. or this belief that is harmful to me and why you know Mm. but but i can't do that in a space with you because you've done what you've needed to do you've told me this is problematic and for me to just come at you and be like well i'm charged and this hurt me that's not honoring you and your experience that's making it your problem again when in the first place you're telling me that it's actually something I have to work on and and I think in general Americans have a hard time with that because we value our individualism our value systems our beliefs we don't allow space for those to be challenged right we're not a community collective people right we're very individualistic yes which I can appreciate to some level. Sure. Because I come from a culture that's very community-based. Right. So I, I get the individualistic part of it. But when it comes to things like that, we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that we're equal. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you know this, but like I go on Twitter now because I'm off mm-hmm. social media. I'm trying to get off social media as I yeah. prepare for school. But I'm, I was on Twitter this morning and th- there's an argument going around if Joe Biden is Catholic enough mm-hmm. and if Trump is Christian enough. <laughs> 
and I'm just like, really? Yeah, that word enough just pricks out to me and every time. Yeah. Anyone listening to this, I do want to say Biden is not going to fix the racial issue. No. He's not. I am voting for Biden because of foreign policy, because of climate change, mm-hmm. because I know black people will not be afraid to live in this country as much mm-hmm. as they are living in a Trump country, right? Yes. But and I, and I feel like people don't see that because people don't want to vote. And so with that in mind, anyone in the white allyship, how do they convince anyone to vote for Biden? I mean, that's a question that I have grappled with. I mean, I think I think no candidate is perfect no matter what. And mm-hmm. I've been very disappointed. I mean, so I've been voting since 2004. I think the first person I got to vote for was, it was Bush's second term, so I'm guessing... I can't remember who I voted. Al Gore? I guess Al Gore. I voted Al Gore. Against... It was Al Gore. Yeah. So, and then... Because um, Al Gore has always been huge on climate change. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then beyond that, um, you know, obviously I voted for Obama twice and that was, like, really powerful to me. But I didn't question who my candidate was. And for the last two election cycles, it's been really hard because mm. I haven't aligned directly with With either. any of them. Yeah, and I'm not saying Obama I'm an is perfect. I'm an independent, by the yeah, way. I do not yeah. care for what both parties are all about. Yeah, no, I feel that because you have to stand on the issues that matter to you. And, and I'll tell you what, there are issues on both sides of the that table we stand that we for. align with. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So I think just opening up the conversation and asking how they want the country to look, like what values are important to them. I mm. think every conversation you have within this scope has to start with empathy mm. because my goal in going into these conversations is not to change your mind. It's not to get you to buy into what I'm selling. I'm not selling anything, you know, but I do want to practice empathy and understanding because my goal, first of all, should be to hear where they're coming from and mm. what they're experiences so that I can understand that and then I can kind of filter through like what I think would be useful for them to communicate because if they're telling me like a really huge important issue to them is like that their children can have equitable access to education well hello <laughs> Biden believes in that you exactly. know but if one of their main concerns is like gun freedom and stuff I can talk to them My about God you know, gun policy with Biden, but I'm not going to get anywhere because their value system is that everyone can have a gun and own a gun and gun, gun, gun. You know, that's, I'm not going to get anywhere with that. And I think it's, it's crazy because America is the only country that's obsessed with guns, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Obsessed. (laughs) When, I don't know how it is when you were in Belgium, but when I was in London again in Amsterdam, the several times I've been in Europe, cops don't carry around guns. They don't have the guns in the car if there's like an emergency. Right. And collectively, they all agree as a country and as a nation, we do not need to have guns except, except when you're hunting, which is, Mm -hmm. that we understand because hunting season happens. We get it. But it's a tool. But to Sometimes I'm just like, really? Like, Mm -hmm. we are arguing over... Because we know how gun violence is in this country. Right. And the good thing that you brought up is empathy. Mm -hmm. Because I do have friends who are black like me, who are from Kenya like me, who do not empathize. And... A great person that I really like to listen to is Vusi the Makayo. He's South African. You should listen to him if you get a chance. And he talks about, and I posted this video up on my Instagram one time. He says his issue with black successful people is when they get into white institutions and become whitewashed yeah. Yeah, for and sure. forget their brothers and sisters who yeah. are struggling. Yeah. I am so blessed that I've never struggled. I have never lacked the basic needs in life. Mm-hmm. But I do not understand sometimes how someone who looks like me can totally ignore the history mm-hmm. and be okay in their mindset. And so empathy is a big thing. And I think people who are narcissistic, selfish, and just care about their own and that brings individualistic into this. They lack empathy. Yeah, I mean, empathy is like a muscle, you know? Mm. Like, you have to exercise it to grow it or it won't grow. Um, I think some people are naturally born with more empathy than other people. You know, you have mm. sensitive people or, like, empaths or, you know, highly sensitive. You know, you have people who just naturally kind of gravitate toward that that type of yeah. personality. But then you have people who, you know, don't. Like, you brought up narcissistic. So it's certain personality types mm. don't have that empathy quality yeah and so it's something you have to teach and and it's something you have to teach young um you know and so i think you know when someone says that they lack empathy that's that's a great area of growth that's a great cue Mm. into like how can i better myself yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely but before we go too far into this conversation (laughs) 
let's talk about how you began to support the movement sure because i you know through shared conversations at work i think i quickly realized like you've been doing it for a long time you've educated yourself we would talk about africa extensively and you had a bit of history Mm -hmm. on that you would never like ask me any demeaning questions because Mm -hmm. truth be told yes we are tired of Mm -hmm. being asked if we live in huts please do your homework right (laughs) just do your homework it's it's not what is portrayed to be by the media Mm -hmm. and you know we do have an episode about media and mental health coming up because it's huge it's huge on your mind right Mm -hmm. so talk about that talk about where this began because you're from a small town is it illinois iowa Iowa. yeah okay there you go so i'm from a really small town in iowa not super small it's like ten thousand, but small um and i actually grew up in a dutch community my family's dutch um i'm second generation my grandparents were not born here well my grandfather wasn't my grandmother was so um, when I say second generation, it's kind of loose because we're all like a wash in America. But my family is all Dutch. And I grew up in a community that was very, um, you know, ethnocentric. It was like, we're Dutch, we're proud, we're this, we're that. And right. there was not, I can remember one family of color growing up. And, you know, we had some people who would come in and out because it was a town. There were some businesses that would attract people, but they quickly leave because they realized there was no community there for them. There was no shared camaraderie. There was no diversity in the community. You know, and growing up in that community, you wouldn't notice that because it's just like everyone looks like me. Everyone sounds like me. But I noticed, you know, I noticed that growing up. I remember being really obsessed with like the civil rights movement and Ruby Bridges and Martin Luther King. Mm. And I was like, there was something about that that struggle that made sense to me, you know, because growing up in my community, I also grew up in a family riddled with um, substance use disorders, mental health issues. I grew up in a single parent family, which was all of those things unheard of in my community because it was like very like, hush, hush, we don't talk about that. We don't have Mm. those problems here. You know, property taxes were sky high in my hometown because they didn't want that type of people living there. And it's still it's still that way today. Would Um, that be redlining or gentrification real quick? Um, probably more redlining. There, yeah. there were never, I mean, it was settled by Dutch communities, so there were never really people of color living there. Mm. So I don't know that it would be gentrified. But yeah, for redlining. sure. Redlining. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And, and you know, there's some value that I still connect with in that because I'm proud of my history and my family. And I love being able to say that I have like one nationality in America that's kind of amazing. But there's a, like, there's an intersection of that that's really damaging. And it, and it kept me from being able to understand the next person to develop a sense of you know community beyond my own community um and so I grew up with this kind of like interest in you know other cultures and other people I traveled a little bit when I was younger I went to South America um in high school um to me going to Chicago was like traveling outside (laughs) because like I saw people of color for like the first time and I like served I I did a lot of like service type stuff yeah um and I just developed this love for like learning about other other people and cultures mm. um and that solidified when I went away to college um I went to college in my hometown the first year dropped out hated it didn't want to be in my community anymore moved away and went to Truman moved out of Truman state, state. Truman woo. state. Um, <laughs> and there I developed a sense of community with um, international students. I mm. served as like an international like liaison between the office and the students. And I really developed relationships with students, helped them navigate social security, getting groceries, finding apartments, finding jobs, like all these sort of things that like I took for granted growing up in the system that I lived in. You know, I helped them navigate those difficulties. And it taught me so much about myself. It taught me so much about like how humbling it is to step into a world that like is not your own not just like the language is different but like literally our entire culture like you said is more autonomous it's not collectivist so there's not this sense of welcome we're so glad you're here like let us help you there's not that sense here in America Mm. you know and 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 I know that from my travels and from working with students and so that's really I think where I began to kind of deconstruct like you know just how I view people and what it means to be human and what Mm. it means to you know struggle like I grew up in struggle in my world but it was still super bubbled you know I still like didn't understand that like and this is something I really want white people who want to be allies to understand that you can have struggle you can have hardship you can come from like you know a family that just like was very broken and you have worked your way up you have gone to college you have done x y and z but you still have privilege 
There you go, Please people. Hear this. You still there you have go. Privilege. And and that when I realized that, it just broke me because I was like, wow, like my struggle is my strength. But there is this sense of privilege that I have that I can't just wash away. I can walk mm. down the street and not fear for my life or be anxious or wonder, you know, am I going to um, get shot? Am I going to get a ticket for just being here? Like all of these things that I like really didn't understand, you know, until I started intersecting with those worlds. Like I still remember the first time I truly saw it with my own two eyes. I went in to a grocery store with one of my friends. I was working in a school. She was a school counselor and we were taking a break to run to the grocery store to get something for our students, like some candy, some treat, something that they had earned. And I picked up something for myself on the way and um, I checked out, She, my friend checked out first. My friend was um, black, she was a person of color. And the, the cashier didn't speak to her. And this was in North County, mind you. Like I'm not shocked. It's very it's strange to me. And um, the cashier checked her out without really speaking, gave her a receipt, whatever. And I come up right behind her and she's like, hi, how are you? Did you find everything okay? And I was like aghast because I'd heard things like this happening before. People have told me about their experiences and I choose to believe them. But it's something about experiencing it for the first time where you're just like, what just happened? Mm. You know, and I was so fearful to debrief and process it with my friend afterward because I was like if I address this am I going to be like harming her is this going to be painful for her you know but then I'm like she lived it she was there you know so I did bring it up and it was hard and awkward and my stomach churned and she was like I'm so glad you noticed that Mm. and that just took me back I was like you're glad that I noticed that and she's like people need to notice these things and I was like you're so you're Mm. so right and so you know I started paying attention more and I started noticing those things more and I started just seeing how different people move through the world and treat people differently simply based on the color of their skin because she was dressed more professionally than me promise Mm. you (laughs) um you know she carried herself more professionally than me she was very respectful and kind there was nothing about her that would insinuate she would need to treat it differently from me I mean And this was the community that she served in, like her school was in. She, you know, it just baffled me that that could have happened, you know, um, you know. It's crazy. It is. Before we go on, you said something about North County. (laughs) I don't know why you're shocked. That's North County. Yeah. Well, and you know, that was very new to me moving to St. Louis. Oh, okay. Then that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, I live, you you know, you drove up to my neighborhood today Mm -hmm. and you saw it's very Mm -hmm. white suburban, but I think having to deal with what I I told you earlier being told to go back to africa and the dirty south i think it took me on a mental state of like the f word to all white yeah. people yeah for sure for because sure. it's like the thing is and i think we're sheltered so much from these these things but i also think african immigrant parents do not understand the rage of racism because my sister had to talk to my parents about racism and to make them unlearn the biases mm against black Americans from immigrants. When growing up, and part of me is thankful for this, growing up as a Christian little girl, you're told that Jesus loves everybody. Mm. Red, yellow, black, and white. We're all equal in his house. I'm sorry, in his eyes. So for me, seeing color has never been, like I've never been like, oh my God, we're not equal because of our color. Mm -hmm. Because religion told me, rather my religion or my belief, we were equal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then that's just a book, right? Not just a book. I mean, those words are from Christianity. Now, these you grow up and you learn these all these types of religions, all these types of beliefs, right? And all types of people. And mm-hmm. so in the real world, people actually do not love each other. Yeah. They do not. Mm-hmm. And till this day, me and my sister and our friends within our book club, we still struggle with the idea that our skin color is an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important that you brought up the like concept of being colorblind because I think you can grow up in different worlds where you just don't talk about color, mm. um, but but we can't be blind to it, right? We have to be aware of the impact of what that is. Mm. And, and I understand what you're saying. Like, I think religion can teach things um, that like can be like lifelong values. Yeah. But then when those values are not matched with the culture that you're living in, it's super confusing. It is. Mm-hmm. And you know that song that says red and yellow? white and black mm-hmm. we're equal yeah. the thing is it does recognize color yeah. it doesn't even it says all colors mm-hmm. matter yeah. and you need to see all color mm-hmm. but we don't even practice that no and the people who right now mm-hmm. unfortunately 
who believe in what this country is about right now are people who call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a huge problem for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really ties into that the saying that I've heard a lot going around this year. And I don't remember hearing it before in other in other years within the movement, but this um, concept of all lives mattering. Um, oh, and I, I didn't want to bring it up because I know it's really like kind of ridiculous and painful. Um, but but I think that that all lives matter is, I mean, obviously a true statement. No one's saying that like super like the, these group of lives don't matter. But when you have to say that you're missing the point, right? You're, you're literally looking past me when you tell me you're colorblind. You're basically saying I don't exist to you, you know, or that a part of my identity doesn't exist because none of us is just the color of our skin or just the religion that we follow or just this, this, and this. They're all intersections of our identity, some that we can opt into and some that we can't. And so I think I think you kind of bringing that point up is so important in the conversation too, that people stop using those words like all lives matter and I don't see color and I'm colorblind because mm. you're not willing to do the work and hear the stories. And, and you're not willing to see me for who I am, mm-hmm. you know, because I always say this, like, I am a black, African, Kenyan, mm-hmm. Kikuyu, mm. American mm. woman. Yeah. Do you understand like how much stuff that it's in me? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I can't even pretend to imagine because, all those intersections. Because when I was born, I was a Kikuyu at first. Like that's my tribal language. Okay. For anyone listening to this, right? Then I am a Kenyan because that's my country of birth. Mm-hmm. Right? Wait, not Africa, right? Africa not Africa. Not a country. <laughs> no. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Then I'm African because mm-hmm. that's my continent. That's mm-hmm. my home. Yeah. But then I moved to the States. And we, we, we began coming to the States when I was like five, six years old. So mm-hmm. I've been really back and forth with, um, with the American culture for so long. So I'm American too because this is home for me too. Absolutely. Yeah. And those are a lot of identities. Yeah. And it's a struggle to actually be so many things in a world that does not accept who you are. Well, in a world that has such different values, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you're having to link the values you were taught before Mm -hmm. you even came here to the values of a country that doesn't even necessarily value you. I mean, I'll just say that. Yeah. and, And I think that, unfortunately, you know, we as a nation, like, were founded on these principles that we do not practice, that we do not put into practice. You know, valuing the, like, unhoused people, Mm. the displaced people, the people who are coming from war-torn areas. Like, But also, you know, with that, it's it's conflicting because the Constitution also, like, at the time it was created, slaves were being brought into this country. So the whole Constitution needs to be rechecked because... How can you say you're equal for all when you were holding black people mm-hmm. as your property? Right. We were people's property. Mm-hmm. And it pains me. And I'm sure you can tell, like, in my voice, I'm very angered because our people have suffered for so long. Mm-hmm. For centuries and centuries, we've suffered at the hands of mm-hmm. colonialism. Yeah. And I'm sure you've done this history where you realize how colonialism and slavery come in together and yeah i get it i'm moving to a country that is the number one colonialist Mm -hmm. of the world i get that and i know what repercussions come with that Mm -hmm. i'm very well aware but also it's it makes me very conscious of who i want to be moving forward for sure i created a group chat for the black women in my class because i'm like nah yeah my black pride is so up here, <laughs> Natasha. Yes, like, yes. no one can waver it. I'm right. just like, okay, well, I'm pro-black. Yeah, that's part of the If journey, you can understand sure. that, I cannot help you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you created a, a community for yourself because certainly no one's going to do that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not going to open that door and have those conversations for you. You have to do that for yourself. And I think that's terrible mm-hmm. that there isn't, like, this honor opportunity and this honoring of identity to just be like hey i recognize like first of all you're an international student studying here second of all you're you're a person of color like let's get you some community you know but do you know what's funny i'm considered better off because i'm american Mm -hmm. see the american identity now gives me much more 
prestige than the BAME community, which is a black Mm. ethnic community of the United Kingdom, which is sad. Yeah. You know, I'm seen as a cooler version than people who who actually are from my own country, Nigeria, Ghana. Mm. It's just saddening, Natasha. That is sad. And so white people just wake up. Right. Because actually, we're tired. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. If when, I could have a dollar for every time my friends who are people of color say that, I would yeah. be like so wealthy. Like, yeah. You're so Because tired. we are tired and we're tired of having to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. When celebrities came out and did that black and white version oh, yeah, of we hear was, you and yeah. we see you, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, Excuse me. No one cares. Mm-hmm. No one wants to see that. Go do the work privately. Yeah. Support yes. black businesses privately. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I know in, in preparation for this, I was taking notes. And I think one of the main things I wanted people to take away from this was like, do not ask people that you know in your world who are people of color, regardless of how close they are to you, for them to do the work for you. Do the work. Read the books. I will get into that later, I'm sure. But read the books. Listen mm-hmm. to the podcast. Go to the meetings. Do do the work yourself because you will not internalize any of it if you just rely on someone to like tell, tell you what you, to do. No. And don't be my friend because you think that gives you an automatic green card. Cloud. It does not. Yeah, it, <laughs> for it sure. Does not give you a check. Yeah. And recently, my sister and I. My sister actually is very woke. So she called me the other day and she's like, girl, we are not POCs. We are biopic. It's not biopic. I like that, yeah. Black, indigenous people, people of color. Yeah. Because, and we don't have to get into this right now. POCs are also very different from us. Mm-hmm. Indian people, Asian people, they don't like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're very much separated. Yeah, for sure. In this country and even back home in my country. Mm-hmm. Very separated. Because there are a lot of Indians who live in my home country, Kenya. Mm-hmm. It's very, very separated. Mm-hmm. They think they're the bigger class than the people of that country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I have been very, very conscious of that now. Of being like, yeah, I'm not a person of color. I'm also not a minority. Yes. I do not know oh my gosh, why... Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I, I was, am. Oh. Do not call me a minority yeah. because I'm not. No, and, and I was just reading this in the Times, and I had for, forgotten um, to share this earlier. But um, I think it's so important that people understand that, like across the globe, like white people are the minority. Like you know what I'm saying? A person of color is the majority, and and saying minority uh, like takes away that power, right? Like it takes away any sort of like power that you can have as a person by calling you like. Because it's basically saying, like, you're less than. You I'm know? not a minority. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to hear that, too, especially white people, because I think there's this fear that they're not willing to talk about um, of becoming minority, like, in America. We don't... I don't even think we need to use these words at all. Yeah. Majority, uh, minority, middle class, all that mm-hmm. stuff needs to be erased. Right. Because it's just our further, mouths. like making this divide you know yeah. yeah because that's what we have done as human beings how do we say we're equal and we treat each other with love but. yet <laughs> we are so good at being well i'm better than yeah this ranking kind of system like i just need to know where i am in the order of things am i a minority majority am i middle class am i upper, like where am i but i think you're right i think that doesn't really matter you know? It shouldn't. Yeah. But so, let's circle back a little bit. <laughs> Truman State introduces you to diversity. Mm-hmm. You're learning about yeah. community. You're unlearning. Oh, you're yes. deconstructing everything. Mm-hmm. How do you then decide that I am going to be an ally? So I think it really took moving away from small white community. I knew that I had that identity, but I couldn't do anything. Like, I couldn't make any moves at all. Like, I was blocked all the time. Like, I know we talked when I first came into your neighborhood, and you were like, oh, yeah, there's all of these, like... Orange supporters. Yes, I was like, I don't want to say a name. And I feel like... You actually do avoid saying his name. It's so important. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't want to honor someone like that. Um, Because names are important. Um, But anyway, yeah, I think living in small communities, I just felt so oppressed myself because my views didn't align with the community, the value system. So it wasn't really until I moved to St. Louis where I got to do more of the work. And I got to do more of the work by engaging my body in the movement. I I moved up here taking a job with the company I'd worked for, but I had no idea what I was doing. I literally showed up at the first school that I was supposed to serve in. I worked in a school-based 
Um, and it was in the, the hood. Like, I, I'm saying the hood, and it wasn't my word. It was the word that, like, you know, they, 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 used. they used. And so I was like, okay, here I am, you know, working in communities, like, um, in North County. Mm-hmm. I, I worked in the Normandy School District, Riverview School District, who, who I loved. The people there were amazing. The kids were amazing. But you know, the work was real. And if I was going to work with these kids who looked and spoke and came from communities and cultures so different from my own, I had to not only learn about their culture, Mm. but like you said, the most important part of the work is unlearning, unlearning my biases, unlearning like, you know, where I, where I fall on this, you Mm. know? Um, and it's not easy and it's, it's not hard. and you because, cry a lot <laughs> but it also like I have to check myself sometimes when you know I was texting a friend the other day and I was like hey I went into I was in King's Highway mm. I was going to Del Mar Loop to get my hair done okay but maps lost me and took me deep into the city mm. of King's Highway Goodfellow Oh, yeah. So I'm in deep in a, in a yeah, neighborhood yeah. that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Because I'm like, where is Maps taking me? Because this is by the loop. Yeah. The other side. So I'm in that neighborhood and I, a lot of things are going on. Drugs are being sold. Yep. Um, guns are carried around. Mm-hmm. So do you know what I did? In the past, before I really became aware of the biases I have for the African community, for the black American community, sorry. I would immediately like, oh my God, I'm in the ghetto. I'm in the hood. Mm-hmm. I need to get out. I'm in danger. Yeah. Girl, I busted up my music. <laughs> and I just, you know, you I just like, it. I rolled with it. Yeah. I rolled with it because, and I know those places are not safe, but they've also, it's not their fault in a way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a survival yeah. they mm-hmm. have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at their roads and then you look at where I live and I'm just like, the government doesn't even care. Mm-mm. No. No, nope. the priorities are not there. They continue to pull resources from those impoverished communities yeah. and they don't care. I mean, you can just walk down the street and see that people don't care. And yeah. it's not the people who live in their community. The people who live in their community like have been there for generations. Yeah. They're not new to that, but they've watched the resources been plucked. You know, there's there's not a hospital in North County. Did you know that? Like they're like starting to build one, but like in in North City, like there's no yeah. No hospital for them to access. There's literally the deserts everywhere. Like. And I and and you know, unlearning is so hard, yo. It's so hard because it's like you have to face things you don't want to face. Mm-hmm. You have to be yes. like, oh, and you have to like control your mind. Yeah. And the mind is so powerful mm-hmm. because once you control it, it it'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. But for the mind to unlearn, because can you imagine? For a long time in the Kenyan community here, you're told to stay away from them. Stay away from the black Americans. Mm. They don't want to go to school. They're uneducated. You're only going to succeed with white people on your corner. Mm. And that's what I believed. That would be hard. I came here when I was in kindergarten. So a lot of my friends were either white Mm. or from my community. Okay. And if I had African American friends, they talked like me. They were not about that, you know, hip-hop crazy, you know, not crazy in a bad way, but, you know, energized because that wasn't me. But that was taught to me. Mm-hmm. And granted, yeah, also my parents want us in a nice neighborhood, so they're going to take us to where it's predominantly white and it's safe. And I get it. I get that. But you have to empathize man like you have to empathize with them mm-hmm. and i did something crazy when i was in high school i the borders changed so you know how the borders of high school change and yeah and, and so i went to hazelwood west and world history was the class that i got put into because i think the computer would like run our names and put us in like certain ways i don't know how they picked us so first semester of sophomore year i was in a class with latinos and african-americans but i could tell they were from low-income communities and they really didn't care about school they were just very loud didn't listen to the teacher i ruthie's a nerd (laughs) right (laughs) and she needs she needs peace and quiet 
And it's new for me when people are like disrespecting the teacher because my parents would never let me get by that. You do not disrespect no. your teacher. So I went up to my counselor and I was like, this is not working out for me. Mm-hmm. It is not. And I cried. And I was like, and he was like, well, I need a good reason. And I was like, I just can't. Because at the time, I just couldn't be around them mm-hmm. because I didn't understand them, too. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad comes to school. I didn't go to school the next day. I was like, you have to take me to school because I can't. And I literally told dad, dad, it's a ghetto class. I cannot. Mm-hmm. My dad, you know, my dad got it. So we went and we saw the principal and I was taken to another class, which was fine. I still have mm-hmm. friends from that class, but a part of me regrets that yeah. deeply. But you weren't you weren't ready. You weren't ready. Yeah. You weren't ready to see that. You weren't ready yeah. to because you have to be ready. Like it's like a battle, right? You have to be yeah. ready to enter that and say like, okay, like I'm gonna be here in spite of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I'm here to do what I'm here to do, and you know, I, it's hard. It's hard. It's really I mean, hard. it sound it feels a lot like to me like when I go home and like talk to my family about things, and I have to Ooh. like work because it's countercultural, right? Yeah. Like even though it's a culture you should fit into because by your profile them reading like your history they're like oh this is a class for her because she's going to fit in with all these other like ethnic group of people in this yeah. class right so that, that's why they put you there but they didn't know you and your journey right. and your needs you know and I feel like that's a lot of like family of origin type stuff too mm-hmm. like you're looked at like okay well like this is where you fit this is where you belong this is your your group or right. whatever and you know when I go home I, I feel that because my family is um pretty not all of them like I have a sister who's like hip but um the rest of them are very um conservative in a way yes and so going home and doing some of that work is really hard because I have to have very difficult conversations I I get to places where I don't even feel like I'm myself because I'm so angry and so heated and so tried and challenged and Mm. I just want to cry or not even go home at all you know and like I think I think that's challenging and you have to decide is this worth it for me like for you at that time you weren't ready you were like yeah I was 15 16 yeah Yeah, and it's too hard you know and then I think I've had times in my life where I was I was wanting to be x y and z but my self-control was not where it was because I was like you have this journey and you know like working through like um your understanding of racism and identity and stuff and I was definitely at a point where like I was in denial and then you kind of get to a point where you're like extra heated and anything anyone says to you you're ready to like fire off statistics because we're built we're built to defend ourselves right we're not built to listen to each other but the problem with that is what I've learned especially with my family is that no one's listening when you come with defense (laughs) and anger and facts they don't care I mean it, it could be true it doesn't matter because you're coming from a defensive stance it's because people listen to respond Mm. they don't listen to understand yeah they're waiting for their turn to speak yeah because i was watching the news because my parents really love to watch the news and i was like can you guys take a break from this they're like no Mm. so they're like msnbc cnn lovers and (laughs) i was watching someone jim acosta from cnn asked somebody why are you here at the rally and they had no masks Mm -hmm. and he said COVID is a hoax Um, it was meant to destroy the United States and I'm like we were Mm -hmm. one of the last countries to actually get this disease because it was coming west Mm -hmm. from the east Right. so what and in that I'm just like wow I mean okay that's even going too far when we were driving to Mizzou with my sister you know because Colombia is another Mm -hmm. uh huh driving through because you know missouri is a white state so driving through when we stopped for food or Mm. or just to take a rest no one had masks on i mean they were looking at us like we were brand new like who what and i'm just like my safety Mm -hmm. is priority Mm -hmm. yeah no i'm with you again lack of empathy yeah because white allyship white allyship to me is actually you trying to better yourself for the world mm-hmm. and the future world that you because you cannot yes. claim yourself to be a person of equal mm-hmm. rights for all mm-hmm. be it women women and men lgbtq mm-hmm. christian non-christian right. agnostic atheism like all that stuff mm-hmm. you can't you're right which brings me to a really heavy topic mental health mm-hmm for you as a white ally how do you think your mental health is 
a constant challenge because it must be challenge because you're unlearning then you're learning yeah. then you may say something that pisses me off like as a black person oh and yeah you, and you Don't didn't know. mean to yeah because yeah. for me my mental health something so little sets me off mm-hmm. and you know the other day i realized when i'm anxious like i nosebleed when i have anxiety mm-hmm. now so i try not to be anxious because mm-hmm. i nosebleed a yeah. lot that's good to know about yourself. I know. Because <laughs> like sometimes your body is like doing these my, things that you don't and, realize And it'll be like, you, it, you know how the nosebleed has a headache sometimes? It's not mm. even going to be that. Like, I'll just be it bleeding. Just wow. Because I'm so anxious. Yeah. And I don't tell that to people. I just recently mm-hmm. told my group of friends, but it's like, I now know what I need to avoid. Like, I won't watch the news. Yes. My neighbor, I'll avoid her mm-hmm. because I don't need you to give me that. No, you don't. You know, I think it's so important to protect yourself. Like, I recognize that I have this huge level of privilege in mm. in my state of life, right? So I get to do things like disengage, right? I get to turn off my phone. I get to sign out of social media, which I don't really have a lot of that anyway. But you know, I have it. Um, I get to turn off the news. I get to read what I want to read and not when I want. You know, I think those things like are huge and I think but I think it is a privilege, right? Because I as a white ally, when I check out of those media outlets and that news source, mm. guess what? It's not a problem anymore because I don't have to live in that world, right? Whereas There's a you, lot of ignorance. You still have to live in that world. You can turn off social media, you cannot walk down that street, you cannot go into that store, whatever, but at the end of the day, you're still gonna have these interactions that you couldn't have predicted that are mm. going to unravel you Mm. I don't have to deal with that and so I want to recognize that for you right now too that like you get to do all the same stuff I do and tune out and turn off but you don't get to check out like I get to check out yeah I can just like that's crazy because I didn't even realize that Mm -hmm. because and so when you check out mentally for your Mm -hmm. mental space Mm -hmm. how do you still continue being an ally do you read the books support black businesses because you really don't need to be on the internet absolutely not like no for real i mean those those are some really good things right like locally st louis has like a ton of great black businesses they do they do so many i like started making a spreadsheet and then i realized there were like websites that actually did that and i was like okay let me (laughs) let me chill out a little yeah so yeah supporting black businesses um i think when you're in the right mental space having a conversation with someone that mm. like you can have impact on in your world you yeah. know i think i bring that into your the white world space. yes my white world thank yeah. you for clarifying you know um i, I think those are all activism things but mm. like to, to continue to do self-care you have to partner it so i can't just check out and be like i'm doing a week of self-care like I need to do, like, a day. Like, today I'm not going to listen to the news. And I'm not going to read anything. But yeah. tomorrow morning, I'm going to get on and I'm going to read this thing. Or yeah. I'm going to listen to this podcast. Or I'm going to have a conversation. Or right. whatever. Like, because I think what, what, what we as white people have to struggle with is, like, we also get tired. And it's a very different kind of tired. I'm not undermining or questioning you're tired. It's tired because, like, you know, we're working really hard and not having a lot of, like people like that we are influencing that mm. are actually making these changes. because the majority of white people are not doing the work so the, no the, the white people that are doing the work they become buried in the statistics because right. really no one's seeing you but mm-hmm. i do love the idea of black businesses reading a book mm-hmm. um because yeah. I, I support a black business every week that's awesome yeah yeah i am like it doesn't even matter where in the world it is. Right. Sometimes I'll just donate because shipping to me may take a while. Right. Well, and I think one thing that, that like, really hit me is, like, where I'm buying the things that I already need from. Mm. Like, hello, if I'm buying books on, like, anti-racism and stuff, why am I not buying from a black-owned bookstore? Why, why do I, I need to go to Amazon? Yeah. Amazon, like, whatever. Yeah. Like, hello, you know, when I'm going out so for dinner. So local, local businesses that yes. are black and are selling black products. and Yes. Um, it's bad. It's too bad. Like in the summer, we didn't have that because I know Forest Park has a lot of like mm-hmm. black businesses come out during the African um, yeah. anthem month, and they do great things. So yeah, yeah. are there any books you want to kind of like tell the people yeah. about? I brought a few. Well, actually, on my list, but like there's just a few that I think have really been helpful for me. I, like a few books, a few websites, podcasts. Um, I think everyone's heard of White Fragility by now, but... It's they all like, need to read it, though. Everyone needs to read it. Like, I haven't read it. If you're born, it should, like, just... <laughs> I actually have not read it, it's, but... Yeah. 
it's for white people to read it because i already know my history yeah you you don't need to read it but i want to plug it um this book is anti-racist it's like something like full of like activities wait is that the title yeah this book is anti-racist i'll show you okay it's really cool and you you can do it yourself or like so i work with kids a lot in families Mm. and i feel like there's a lot of really cool activities in it super colorful and fun i should probably get this you know because i plan to have a lot of people over at my apartment in london just having it on your shelf someone pull it off and be like wow like what is this about you know nice um there's a book called i love Bad. this thank you for this yeah no it's great it's great. yeah and you can okay. get it i'll plug a local black owned bookstore it's called i see me e-y-e see me okay um it's in new city it's not far from where i live it's on olive okay. and um i ordered all of my books from them because i think it's so you can order do they deliver or yep, you can order it, Ooh, you can perfect. Pick it up at the store perfect i mean the good news and bad news is that right now because of the wave in in the world of yeah. like activism and people starting to open their eyes to these issues all of these books i ordered that book and white fragility and my own copy of it in april i think Mm. and i just got it last week because they're out of print everywhere which is awesome right like i want that problem i want people to be reading so much (laughs) i love it she's like i want that problem i do okay next book um bias um i have it here too you really brought them out well i think it's important that if i'm plugging something that i actually like own it and read it um biased i guess i thought it was called wow. biased. and th- there's actually a really good book that i have called cast right now oh, I haven't um, heard that. it's well it's i would love white people to read it because it's understanding how the black people got here but it's more so i think to ed for the black person to really understand their struggle it's mm-hmm. really important this is this is amazing yeah that's good too um the other book um, this one I just finished, and I, so one of my other passions is, like, um, body, um, the body positive movement, mm. and so I wanted to read about the racial origins within the body positive movement, so this is yeah. called Fearing the Black Body, and it's so powerful, it's about how, like, basically the fear that we have about, like, being fat and fat phobia started with, like, black women, um, and so it's actually really powerful in, like, how we continue to, like, you know, um, idolize certain body types Mm. and and demonize others and a lot of that is like crazy because like this is like innate in your like and a lot of these things is mentally (laughs) yeah it's it's just your mental health right all of this is like all about mental health too like even though it's educating yourself it's like understanding like your mind yes because your mind is your mentality right and i want people to really understand that when we talk about mental health you know because we're I'm doing an episode on climate change. You know how much I value climate change. And um, you saw my post the other day about, please unfollow me because just do it. Just, if you can't take care of the planet, (laughs) if you can't take care of the planet, just leave. And, and, you know, I was like, we have to plug in mental health. And he was Mm -hmm. like, how do we do that? And I was like, because we have to train our minds to take care of the planet. Mm -hmm. Because truth be told, the earth does not care about what color you are, Natasha. What it does not care right and we have failed at that Mm -hmm. we have truly failed at that i have failed at that Mm -hmm. i am accountable and that's another thing white people need to take accountability for sure yeah we've had this conversation when we talk about like reparations and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like literally (laughs) reparations start with you having conversations you patroning black businesses you making small changes in your life that say I believe you. This was wrong. You know, like, I've had conversation um, with my partner recently about, like, colonialism and stuff you were talking about earlier. And I was like, my family didn't participate in slave trade because we were not here, right? But that doesn't exempt me from the responsibility of moving forward. My family was here in, like, the early 1900s, right? What did life look like here then? Okay, Mm. there wasn't, like, formal slavery, but look at, like, what we have come from with civil rights movement and stuff. Mm. They moved through that. Did they stand on the right side of history then? No. Are we now? Some Mm. of us. You know what I'm saying? Because you said earlier, like, generationally, I'm hoping with all this change that I can pass a generation on that Mm. cares and just wants that change. Because even if... Dutch is not the land, correct? Yeah. 
the Netherlands colonized mm-hmm. Yeah, they were a Africa. huge proponent of the race trade. Yeah. I mean, they they were starting yeah. the yeah. the trade between bringing mm-hmm. Africans to America too. Yeah. So like because I can't Europeans that. Europeans played a really big part mm-hmm. to slave trade. Yes. And, and people forget that. Oh, yeah. People are just like oh, and also we Africans we played a role part in that. Our leaders played a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think till this day, that's why Africa is the way it is because our leaders are so greedy. Mm. The white man ma- manipulation of greed and power, mm. that's how they knew how to do it. Mm. They knew how to go into the black communities and tell them, listen, we're going to pay you this amount of money as long as you sell us your people. Mm-hmm. That's unreal. I so think. as much as we want to bl- blame the colonialists, mm. the white people, black people, we also have to be held accountable. We have to take responsibility for what we've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. I may say I'm pro-black, but I am still pained heavily when I look at Africa right now. Yeah. I'm pained heavily by the leaders that we have in Africa. Mm-hmm. But to... Because we're getting ready to wind down this conversation, <laughs> which has been amazing. You said the future generations. Mm-hmm. What is your hope for the future? I just hope that we can re-educate people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm thinking, like, especially of, like, the 1619 Project. I think kids need to know the real truth and the history of our country. And we need to stop whitewashing it and making it be, like, about this, like, beautiful, wonderful thing that we colonized, like, indigenous people. Um, You know? Actually, (laughs) you know, now that you say that, the people who said to me, go back to Africa and the Dirty South, Mm-hmm. What we should have said is go back to Europe because mm-hmm. this is not your home, too. It's not. We've, America we've is. This oh, land. Lord Jesus. Yeah. But we want to forget that because it's not something that like makes us feel good, you mm. know? It makes us uncomfortable. The and truth is nasty, isn't it? It's yes, uncomfortable. Yes. I, but I think there's so much power in sitting in the discomfort and being able to mm. like hear truth yeah. and not immediately jump to like block and justify and defend but to just stay there and i and i hope i see this happening in the next generation below me right so i'm 34 i'm you know not really a millennial yes you are i think i'm like on the cusp like or what's the new generation after i'm millennial but what's the one after that gen z is after us gen z okay so gen z i think they're like 23 and below now okay so they i'm not sure 96 they have to 96 is a cutoff for gen z okay so gen z begins at 97 okay okay so i i I am you know they're they're coming out and and they're like i said it's but still, it's, it's going to take a lot of work. It is. Because Gen Z are so young right now. Oh, and I know. The thing with Gen Z is they, 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 they're like, no, why can't I have friends within? You know, they're against the norms. Yes. So yes. I love that about the Gen Z. Yes. Like, they will fight for yeah. what's right. Yeah. I feel that in I them. I do, too. And they're not afraid to stand up to the generation before them, whereas our generation, mm. we're still kind of like... Oh, mm. but like I don't know. I think we're definitely mm. more so than the generation before us, even. Mm. But like we have to all be willing. Like honestly, I just want to see all of these old white men out of power. <laughs> like, <laughs> like real talk. Same like, thing. Same please. thing. With, I think globally. Yeah. You know, um, New Zealand has Jacinda yeah. Ardern, yeah. which who's amazing. Yeah. Finland has their first mm-hmm. female prime minister, sure. who's thirty-two. Oh, wow. um, that's young. That's shout out to women, men, because women are powerful. Yes. We are powerful. And, you know, the feminism movement, which I I understand, it's for equality. I think we also have to welcome men in it. Because mm-hmm. if we're in a world of equality, we have to accept equal rights for all of us and that includes the men and that's something that's not in africa so Mm -hmm. do you see how like the bubble is crazy like we're here talking about black Mm -hmm. lives matter but really black women Mm -hmm. that is a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. absolutely a whole other conversation yeah but yeah we're hopeful we'll keep having these conversations yeah yeah and i guess your daily practices which you talked about is heavily being able to 
have these conversations with your other white friends and moving your body like i feel like i can read i can talk i can do all these things like Mm. mentally but the moment i started going to protests and rallies Mm. and engage my body in being an activist yeah it's a whole other level because you're like i'm literally using my body to shield and protect another person's body Mm. and that to me was just like mind-blowing you yeah. know you have to do both I mean mm. you have like mental health is physical health too you know you have to move your body you have to do things to like engage your body yeah because the body you know I I train myself to wake up early and to run but now with like school it's different but yeah if you don't if I don't wake up my body will be like okay mm-hmm. then I'm gonna screw you over all day right, all day it'll pay back funk all day. <laughs> yeah yes, for sure true so Thank you for being here and having this conversation with me. Yeah, thanks for And coming all the way to where I'm at. Because <laughs> you live pretty far. But um, I hope that this conversation will empower people to go have conversations with their white friends. Mm-hmm. And for your white friends, have conversations with your, their white friends and families. Because that's what we want at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being here and thank you for being so supportive of clear minds better lives i do have to say that you and ed have done nothing but be so supportive of my work and i appreciate that of course we yeah. really believe in what you're doing and the importance of these conversations and in communities that we don't always intersect with so i appreciate the work you guys are doing too thank you bye guys take care